When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I was very, very angry when I watched it at the cinema. It came out and I was very angry. The performances are good and there's some interesting stuff in here, but I think, I just think it's a little bit lazy. I think it's a brilliant film and and the things that I was saying earlier that annoyed me, I think it's deeply flawed and agree with everything you've said, but I still really enjoyed it. And it's still a film I wanted to show other people. I don't think I've laughed harder when they try to lift the oh, special yeah. move that they've been working out for. <laughs> yes. You know, it's fun. I think it's a funny film. I think there's some good jokes in it. It made me smile all the more second time around. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of the Footswatcher Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tatten. Hello. Diane. Hello. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be chatting about Silver Linings Playbook. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Tatten and Diane. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hi, I'm Tatten and I run Simple Politics, which is uh, a wide ranging project, but you've probably only heard of the Instagram page because uh, you don't love me. And that's something I have to deal with. Hi, I'm Diane and I work for Tatten on Simple Politics and I'm way more excited to be on here talking about films, which <laughs> makes a lovely change. <laughs> films over politics. Mm. There's just a lot of politics, isn't there? Just just a lot of it. All the time, everywhere, it seems at the moment. Um, you're, I came to, well, I think half the world's on your account at the moment, aren't they? It's got close to 800,000 people on your Instagram account. How did you guys make that happen? That's kind of insane. Well, we met this guy called Kobe who offered to run our podcast. And uh, since that happened, since that <laughs> happened, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all gone through the roof. I know we could do that for Flixwatcher podcast and get 800,000 people on there. <laughs> Well, you guys have been going for a while though, isn't it? It's been a slow burner. I mean, for Tatten more so than me, I've been around for a, cu- a couple of years but, and, and Tatten's been around since 2013, is it Tatten? 2015. Yeah, seven years this year. Seven yeah. years. So yeah, very much a word of mouth, rolling stone, you know, and, um, and yeah, to reach that number organically is 
amazing. Honestly, kudos to you. And I think you could, you've kind of arrived at the perfect time for for shit shows to be uh, to be retracted simply and and sweetly. I guess. I mean, it's been it's it's all it's all been about conflicts and shit shows. Uh, I set up uh, in 2015 after the David Cameron general election, where David Cameron had won the first Conservative majority since John Major, and was going to really boringly put in place the changes. And for me, as a bit of a nerd, I was like, well, this is fascinating. We're going to see conservative ideology playing out in front of us. We're going to see what the opposition does. It's going to be a slow, interesting way to hold people's hands and explain to them what's going on. And then you had the anger and the misery of the Brexit vote. And then you had the Brexit fallout. And then you had a general election. And then you had more Brexit fallout. And then you had another general election. And that took us up until December 2019, January 2019. And I remember actually in December 2019, I was texting Diane about what on earth do we do now? All the Brexit stuff's gone. Boris Johnson's got this huge majority. We've we've achieved, we've got 100,000 followers on Instagram. It's never going to get bigger than that. Maybe we should shut the page. Maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe we're done. Maybe our work here is done. And then like, yeah, about three weeks later, kind of, we all got locked indoors and everyone wanted a page that would help understand what was going on and we happen to be in the right place at the right time and we've we've seen some growth in the last couple of years and i hope that we've helped some people in the last couple of years and uh but now you know as this turns endemic again my goal is to get us to the next general election cover the next general election probably in 2024 and then see what happens after that i mean it, it I don't think there will be a permanent need for the civil politics page well maybe let's, i think um, now it's established i think there's always people coming into the political realm. I mean, my, my knowledge of politics was very, was very, well, my knowledge and interest, I should say, was very limited before Brexit happened. Because I was just like, yeah, there'll be some Conservatives, there'll, there'll be some Tories, there'll be some Lib Dems, but generally, you know, it swings around about. So then when Brexit happened, I was like, holy shit, we need to actually pay attention. And um, so that's when, that's when my, and I think that started a lot of people getting interested. So yeah, your, your, your page definitely helped out. I guess I, I see Helen on there copying, liking stuff as well. So I know you're sharing you're to get that engagement up for you. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Thank Helen. <laughs> and likes for show, shares for a pro. Right? <laughs> there you go. Do you use a film quote there that you you were? Uh, yeah, okay, did, to see, see what I did. I did. I did. I've, I've watched some telly. Some television. <laughs> televisuals. Um, but we, we are talking about films today. Um, we're talking about Silver Linings Playbook, which is your choice, Diane. Why, first of all? Did yeah. you choose it? And then I'll get the stopwatch, I'll get the timer up, and you'll have 60 seconds or less to tell us the synopsis. Okay, no pressure. I choose this film purely. I had really nostalgic vibes from watching it while I was pregnant, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, uh, when I was pregnant and I couldn't go out to the pub, I stayed in and watched a lot of films. Uh, this was one of them. And um, some of it has stayed with me. And I love, there's a couple of lines that I love, <laughs> love, 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 could still quote now, particularly of Tiffany's. So that's why I choose it. Okay, let's get the synopsis going now. Okay, 
So Silver Linings Playbook, you could describe it as a rom-com, but it's way more than that. It's a rom-com that also tackles uh, mental health, mental illness, it's family, sport is in there too. So it's it's definitely more than just your average rom-com. It's all about a guy called Pat, who we meet at the very start, who's just been released from a psychiatric hospital uh, or picked up by his mum, who was desperate to rescue him. He goes back and lives with his family. We find out lots about him really, really, really early on in the film. So we find out that he's had an incident with his um, wife's ex-lover that is very unfortunate. Uh, we find out um, sort of lots about what's going on with Pat. And then he, he through his friends, meets a widow, Tiffany, played by Jennifer Lawrence, who is very quirky. That's the time again. That's your minutes up. That's so much harder. Diane, it's it's literally, (laughs) it's literally your job to summarise these things. Ah, what was that? That's it is super tough. It is super tough. What I didn't even get to the finale. You didn't well, even we'll, get to the beginning. We'll get to it. We'll get. We'll discuss. We'll discuss the plot. Don't worry, it's happening. Um, Tatton, have you seen this before? What were your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, I should declare an interest here because I'm diagnosed bipolar, and a lot of this film is about is about bipolar disorder. And I saw it at the cinema, I think, um, and it resonated hard. I was undiagnosed at that point, and then I I used to do cinema screenings um, around Woodstable because I needed something to get me out of the house. And um, this is one of the films that I chose to do that because I, I remember how much I loved it. And like really shortly before the screening, I got my diagnosis. And so it was quite intense uh, to watch it then. And um, I watched it this afternoon. And yeah, well, I, mean, I messaged down at the time. I was in floods of tears. And there's some stuff that I read still now, having lived with this diagnosis and understanding a lot more about myself than I did at that point that still resonates and there's some stuff that really pissed me off because mm. it's not it's not right is there anything that because this is um, yeah it'd be, it'd be interesting to pull on one of those or a couple of those points where you think that's not an accurate representation I think I mean just generally a manic episode is a thing that takes time being bipolar isn't just having wild mood swings which 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 can be involved but the film often represents it as oh, I'm up and I'm down, I'm up and I'm down. But you have depressive episodes and you have manic episodes and they can take months to work through. And this film portrays bipolar disorder as being quite momentary, quite tr- in transcendent, in trans- I can't even say the word. Um, that's how upset I am with it. I can't say the word that I can't remember. Is that about the time constraints of the fi- of a film though? I, I get that, I took get no. that. No, no. No. no, I don't think it is because these things happen these things happen very quickly within a meeting, within time they're together, within a conversation, they'll flip and they'll switch and they'll go whatever. And the idea, the whole thing about the whole thing about him is that he um he has anger issues, right? And he switches and he flips and he he he, he does these things. And I'm not averse to anger, anger issues myself, but that in itself isn't the bipolar bit that's in response to other things that are going on. Quick changes, in my experience and my research, quick changes of emotion and behaviour are not that necessarily bipolar because bipolar is a longer term 
thing, right? In fact, when you're getting, to, to be diagnosed with bipolar, you need to have like at least one manic episode that lasts for four to six weeks. It, it's not about that quickness. So when he comes back and he reads a book and throws it out, and in the morning after he's he's back to back to a stable condition, that's a, that's an example where you're, where you're pulling on where that's not a an accurate representation. Being angry, I think that is just having anger issues rather than mm. a symptom of being bipolar. Yes, I mean he has he has massive anger issues, and and it, it, there is some manic behaviour around that, but it doesn't stop and start in that way. In fact, if he behaved in the way that I saw, and with my, I'm not a doctor, but with my understanding of bipolar, my experience bipolar, if he behaved like he did in that film, he would never have been diagnosed with bipolar. He'd been, there's various other, like I'm not, you know, mental health, we're all, we're all different, aren't we? Like, we've, like all any diagnoses is, is in some way kind of, there's a line in the film that says, not right lumping you and I together. I wrote that down because I think it's such a wonderful line. Um, it's not right lumping you and I together. And that's what all mental health diagnosis do. No one's the same. I'm not the same as somebody else who happens to have that label. It doesn't have that label. Um, but those mood swings and that anger don't strike me particularly as being bipolar. And yet, and yet, and, I, and I'm going to shut up about my, oh God, love me, uh, in a second. <laughs> There's a lot of the behavior that, that from both of them and let's face it, from Robert De Niro, I was who's, gonna, also, I was, who's also not okay. Yeah. That really does resonate. And resonated before our diagnosis, resonated before I had the diagnosis and resonated today, that made me that made me cry, not just because of what was happening to the characters, but what happened to, what's been happening to me. Right? And that's surely the mark of a good film, is that it isn't just about the people on the screen in front of you anymore. It's become something deeply personal. This this time watching it, and I think it's great that you pulled on Robert De Niro because I think well the first time I watched it was was in the cinema, and I think a lot of this went straight over my head. And in recent years, people are more open to talking about mental health, and especially in the last couple of years, it's become more more of more of a conversation point and an open conversation point. This time it hit me a lot harder, and I resonated or I empathized a lot more with what was going on, on the screen, and I definitely saw more in Robert De Niro's character than I'd than I'd previously recognized on this watch. This is my second time watching it. Um, in the same way that there's a film, Requiem, Requiem for Your Dream, um, Darren Aronofsky's film, where it's talking about people with various different dependencies on drugs. And one of the characters there was a mother who started, I think she's, she's taking um, like antidepressants. I can't remember, it's some kind of prescriptive drug. And because the other, the other characters were taking illegal drugs, quote unquote. I didn't associate her with having a drug problem because that was what was prescribed to her. And sometimes when, you know, it's it's easy to see what's going on with Chris Tucker and and Jennifer Lawrence's character and Bradley Cooper's character, but it was a more subtle act, um, reaction with Rob De Niro. And I think that's probably one of his favorite, most, that's one of my favorite performances of his in recent years is, is in this Definitely. Is in this I thought I was going to be controversial saying that. <laughs> No, Diane, Diane, Di Di it's not mm -hmm. controversial because everything mm. he's done in recent years is shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so, oh, it's the best thing. You know, yeah. of, course, of course it is. Yeah. By by default. I, I'm not a I'm not a great De Niro fan, but anyway, to be honest, I, like I'm not 
um, and I have had to watch a lot of his back catalogue at uni. I had to watch a lot of things. Um, so I've done tax, I've done the whole like you know him from the beginning, and I've never been a huge fan. But you're right, this was subtle. It was, and he delivers the big go get him line at the end as well, which is the like kind of you know crux of it. You know, go and get her, you'll regret it. Like, yeah. So he's he's beautiful in this, definitely. Yes, this was my um, second time watching it, and. You know, when a film just really rubs you up the wrong way, this was that was definitely my experience when I watched it at the cinema. I think it was a combination of it having kind of been built up quite highly and won all the awards. But I think it was more that they kind of kind of having mental health issues with wearing kind of a bin bag and wearing eyeliner and painting your nails black was kind of like symbolic of being sad. And there's a lot of kind of things that I think were perhaps a little bit lazy and he's he's basically very an angry man and he basically beats someone nearly to death and we're kind of meant to overlook that because like you know he's going on this kind of journey and then it kind of wraps it all up at the end with oh it's all solved with the dance and like falling in love because that's how you get rid of your mental health because you just fall in love and have a dance and I think the second time watching it it was a bit like this is not really about their mental health it's just kind of like a bit of a long love story like no one at the start watching it is going to be like they're not going to end up together it's just like okay when are they going to end up together and I think that rubbed me up even more the wrong way so I know that a lot of people like it and I think probably in 2012 kind of taking on mental health as like a a main theme was quite a sort of newish thing but yeah there was just like things in it it was just a bit like really is that how we're gonna like look at it and the whole thing with Robert De Niro and his addiction to gambling as well there could have been an opportunity maybe to explore that but it just kind of wasn't it was just another thing they just kind of thrown in but I wonder if this is a bit of a problem with me and David O. Russell films generally but I don't know I was just I was very, very angry when I watched it at the cinema. I came out and I was very angry. Whereas this time I was a bit like, I'm not quite as angry. I've reflected on my two watches. The performances are good and there's some interesting stuff in here, but I think, I just think it's a little bit lazy in some of the bigger issues that it tries to maybe tackle. And it's a bit of, bit of like surface stuff. And yeah, the whole like, oh, throwing a book out the window is just a bit, it's like sensationist or a bit shocky, whereas the reality is of living with mental health issues isn't quite like that. I don't know. It just rubbed rub me the wrong way, unfortunately, but it rubbed me the wrong way a long time ago. <laughs> I think the what you said about the um, when when it had all the awards and stuff, that, that's probably why I went to see it. And like yourself, I was like, come on, impress me then. And it, it didn't. But I think age has my age 10 years later i'm i'm more willing to accept uh, a bit more nuances but yeah diane this this second this second watch or sorry this this most recent watch um was there anything else you picked out from it compared to the the first pregnant watch well i yeah i'm very different um to helen in that i thought just because the characters are quite laid bare early on so there's no big reveal with any we know everything about pat pretty much in the first sort of 15 minutes we know everything that's gone on with him and 
you know, uh, things that he's been through and his family and that he's spitting out his meds. We, you know, we knew all that straight up, but that made me like him more <laughs> because there was no sort of like waiting for the, but why is he acting like that? You know, we it, it kind of like was everything laid bare. And I think that's kind of like a bit of a theme in the film. It's like everyone's very honest and the relationship between Pat and Tiffany is very honest and they find out all the, you know, the the stuff about each other that you probably do want to keep hidden in a new relationship, but it isn't hidden for them. It's right out there. Um, yet they still choose to be on each other's team. And, you know, that's, yeah, that's the love story element, but that that's definitely what I enjoyed. It made me smile all the more second time around. <laughs> so we've all watched it two times. I wonder why mm. that is. Yeah. Um, I mean, apart from apart from me, he's watched it three times. I've, but can I, can I be in your game still? No. Can I still be in your game? <laughs> but it, oh. you, we've all watched it relatively infrequently. Mm. Um, yeah. Which is which is interesting. Yeah, it is. What well, you're saying? Ten years. Ten years or so has come out. It has only just come on to Netflix though. So yeah, but still, if it's a film you really w- wants to watch again, you'd probably have. Well, I, I mean, means... I put it on. I put it on. I put yeah. it on in cinema. Well, at my own little screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, you know, I was talking about the faults. I, I love the film. I think it's a brilliant film. And and the things that I was saying earlier that annoyed me don't outweigh. And I think there's there's an element. Diane was just talking about um about the the romance of it. And I think there was there was an element of when I saw it in cinema of um wanting somebody to recognise my crazy, even though I didn't quite understand my crazy so that was a kind of kind of like a and also you know she's hot right <laughs> so so not just anyone to recognize my crazy yeah Jennifer Lawrence. Her. yes <laughs> but it's so i think that there was there there, there there was that pull but also it's you know it's fun uh, i think it's a funny film i think there's some good jokes in it and the dancing is it's pretty good like it's pretty expressive. Like I mean, it's, I know it's not good dancing. Like I know that I know that. Like Anton de Beck, is he the guy? Maybe if Anton de Beck was involved, he'd be like, "Oh, that's not good dancing," or whatever. But I, I quite like expressive bad dancing. Like I quite like just letting it hang out and do that dancing. So I do like the film. I think it's deeply flawed and agree with everything you've said on all kinds of things. But I still really enjoyed it, and it's still a film I wanted to show other people. There's- there's that, that bad dancing that comes at the end of a film. It's almost like a, a 90s trope. We had Little Miss Sunshine, Napoleon Dynamite. Mm. Um, it's kind of a thing. And, you know, it was, I don't think I've laughed harder in this one when they tried to lift the oh, special yeah. move that they've been working out for. <laughs> yes. and, and I'd completely forgotten. I thought I thought they must have done it. But then when they, when they tried in the competition, it was completely wrong. Yeah. It's no that, dirty what, dancing. I, <laughs> it's no dirty dancing. We 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 have an episode on dirty dancing. We, I don't know if it's out yet. If not, it'll be out soon. If you listen to this episode, so subscribe and listen out for dirty dancing. But um, obviously, it, it kind of apes that, but also makes it more realistic because we we talked in the dirty dancing episode about infinite number of people who've tried that at a wedding. I've tried it, it at a on. wedding, but not with my husband. <laughs> Your wedding? My wedding, and my friend said, "Run at me," and. <laughs> <laughs> And it didn't end well. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Was there was there a better plan than run at me? I do even thought about run at me. <laughs> I think that's it. Uh, but I guess. Do you with, have it on film? Because you have the music. 
Because you had the music, so you knew what Run At Me meant. Yes. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I knew what she meant. <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, good. So, but the music, it, the music to the dance scene, the fact that it's the White Stripes and actually the soundtrack's pretty yeah. good, pretty solid soundtrack for the whole film. Um, really eclectic, really eclectic. Mm. And I think that kind of matches the whole vibe of it, actually. Um, well, we know Tatton likes Jennifer Lawrence because she's attractive. Uh, Diane Helen, where um, are we on, on J Law? <laughs> she was fab in this. I think she's a little bit, a little bit overrated, personally. Yeah. I, I think she's she works in this, mm-hmm. but like, how many Oscars has she got now? Like five, something like that. Shut she's got up, quite does a lot. she? No, she's got, she's got she's two, got, I think. Yeah. <laughs> she's got quite a few. What were they? What were they for? Do you know? Sorry, I put you on the spot. One for this. It was this and was it, was it American Hustle? I don't want to yeah, say other, that, but the other I think David it probably Russell was. Film. Yeah. The other David Russell film. Which I really don't like either. Um, but yeah, she was nominated for Winter's Bone, I think was the first nomination she got. And then it kind of snowballed a bit. Yeah, I, I think for me, she's. I think she's really cool. I think she's like really, really cool actor. I don't quite get the the buzz, but I think in, it, this is probably, probably my favourite performance of hers on Revisit. Although I really like the first Hunger Games, but I'm not sure it's her specifically. I think the whole kind of setup of the Hunger Games is is an interesting one. Um, but I think this is my perhaps my favourite performance of hers out now. So yeah, this is actually on reflection a film I like quite a lot. <laughs> anyone else want to talk about Jennifer Lawrence or anyone else before we head to the scores? Originally, probably mm-hmm. a very very early drafts that um, Vince Vaughn and Zoe Deschanel were lined up for the for the role, so it could have been. Mm, a lot worse. Very, very it could have been a experience. lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just really interesting. Ten years ago, I think that um, that's also someone I definitely wanted to save me. Sorry, Deschanel is definitely someone I'd, I would have wanted to play a leading lady in the saving the saving of undiagnosed Tatton's life. Is this in the wake of Five Hundred Days of Summer? Oh no! Oh gosh, no! That was awful film. <laughs> It's been re- it's been re- reassessed, hasn't it, in recent years? Certainly. What a terrible <laughs> film that is! She's not the villain. Spoiler. <laughs> um, I don't I don't think Zoe Deschanel would have been able to have convincingly given the kind of like darker edge to Tiffany's character, yeah. which I think J Lo, yeah. Jen, sorry, Jennifer Lawrence just about does. Um, I think she really does. I think I think I think that there was some. She she does troubled well. Like, like there is clear, she's not okay. There's no question of the fact she's trying, just trying to be a bit kooky. She is not okay in this movie. And I think that comes across really nicely. I love when, when she goes, when she presumably, this scene would have done, been done the same uh, with Zoe Dash and whoever, but when she goes running with him, but she's not even changed for running. Because yeah, the running yeah, yeah. metaphor has continued out, but she's actually still in her jeans and her coat. And I think she pulls that off in a really special way. And I think that there's a distress to her and, and, and a sense of, almost a sense of chaos because she's in far too deep to her own emotions and trying to deal with everything. And this text thing, like she texts this boy, doesn't she? And then this boy turns up like... Well, at the same time as he's supposed to be there. And, and, and he's like chasing him away. And she's like, well, no, I text him. Well, she, he text, she texts me. It's like, there's a tragedy to that that I think, I think it's well played. I think that everything, again, I don't agree with everything you say. And I think that all of those inadequacies are 
from the director and the script. And I think she turns up and she smashes it. I think uh, Vince Vaughn might have been a struggle. Um, yes. I, it would be I, awful. Do, yes. I, do like, I do like him more now, especially in most couple of seasons of Kirby Enthusiasm. I think he's been great in, I don't know if you've been watching that. Um, but I think at that time he wasn't, he wouldn't have been right for this role in the same way Bradley Cooper's. And Bradley Cooper's someone who I, at the time was like, oh, it's just that pretty boy from The Hangover. The Hangover which I, oh my God, yeah. Uh, I yeah. did not like Bradley Cooper before this film. Um, no. <laughs> uh, at all. No, it's an amazing role for him. It's an mm. amazing role. I mean, was the A-team before or after this? I think it's before. That was a terrible film. Yeah. I think but it's it, before. But, but it's, it's, he's the same role. He's the same guy in the A-team as he is in this. Except his behaviour is, it comes from a different place. Except he's, he's allowed to smash things up and blow things up. Yeah. <laughs> but like, there's a really, there's a huge similarity. Part of Bradley Cooper doesn't play too many different roles, but there's a huge similarity between his craziness and the A-team, which is designed to be kooky and his behavior in this film which is designed to be because of serious uh trauma mental health issues but i think that works i think it's time to head to the scores guys hello i'm kate lever host of who's a good dog the podcast for anyone who's ever loved a dog we're one of the other podcasts in the Stripped Media family. Each episode, I ask a brilliant person to introduce me to their dog and tell me how having a dog has changed their life. Listen to Who's a Good Dog wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. They are all out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Diane, with your recommendability. Four. Four. Care to elaborate or just that's a good feeling that you want to stick out there? No, I definitely recommend it to my friends, um, mm-hmm. but perhaps not as much as my favourite, favourite, favourite ever film. So I think four is a good score. Tatton. I'm going to say four. I mean, I have recommended the state where I've, where I've showed it, like I've put it on. But you guys have um, talked me down from that a bit. I like the film less now I've spoken to you guys because I feel oh, like no, you've, you've quite, rightly, quite rightly pointed out some flaws in it. So if this was a 40-minute episode, it would be three. But as we've stopped now, I'm going to say four. <laughs> Helen? Oh, you should always go with your heart. I mean, this film and me have had a thing going back a long, long way. And I was thinking, you know, going fresh, like, you know, things have changed. Like Bradley Cooper directed A Star Is Born. You've got to like him more than you did then. So, you know, I was ready to give it a go. But I don't know. It's just, it's just one that there's just too many bits in it. Like Jennifer Lawrence carries the whole film. as definitely that. And this time around, I was like, who's Jackie Weaver? It's not the Jackie Weaver. It's a different Jackie Weaver. But <laughs> yeah. if you're looking on the credits, kids, it's not that Jackie Weaver. It's a different Jackie Weaver. Uh, I think we have it a solid three. I think if you haven't already seen it, then there's, I think that I'd probably recommend a lot of other films ahead of this before I'd recommend that with everyone involved. Uh, I'm going to go for 3.8. I think it's better than coming into it as a rewatch, I would have estimated it be lower more than 2.5 but I enjoyed it more uh, this time around so I recommend it especially to people who are 
bit more mature than I was at the time watching it the first time. Diane, repeat viewing score. Okay, it's got to be a three, simply because I would watch it again. I would enjoy it again, but it has been 10 years in between times. And as you said, (laughs) uh, I I could definitely have found it in that time and watched it again, and I didn't. So, yeah, three. Tatten. I'm not going to watch it again, zero. Okay, <laughs> Alan. Um, I mean, I'm very, very unlikely um, to watch it again, but I have watched it twice, so two for each time I've watched it. So four or one for each time you watched two, it? So two. two. It gets one point for each. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go for 1.8. I've watched it, I think I've watched it enough times. I'll watch it again, but maybe in 10 years again. Although if someone says, should we watch Robert De Niro in a film? It still wouldn't be this, but I'd still be thinking about this. I may be thinking, should we, should we put it on? Um, small screen score. Diane. Well, I did watch it on a laptop, actually. So, I mean, yeah. And this is for this is for home viewing. So this is TV at home. Yeah. Anywhere but the cinema, basically. Okay. Well, yeah, it works. You know, you're not missing out on anything. No massive explosions being cut off on the sides or anything like that. So, yeah, it totally works. I'll give it a five. Tatten. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, it's um, it could be, you know, maybe if it was made today, it'd be a Netflix season stake box set show. I think and maybe it lends itself more to that than it does actually. Maybe some of the things we've been complaining about could have been teased out better over six hours than they were over two. Uh, so yeah, I'd say it was one tally five. Helen. Uh, yeah, perfect for the small screen. So five. Yeah, five for myself as well. Engagement score, Diane. Okay. Remind me of this again, Kobe. <laughs> so this is... Generally... How engaged are you once you press play? Are you, oh, okay. are you pausing? Are you going to the toilet? Are you checking your phone? Or are you like, as soon as you press play, I'm in it? I'm not looking anywhere else. No, I'm pretty in it with this one. Four. Awesome. Uh, Tatten. I'm I'd like, yeah, I'm, I'm all in... Um, like the prime minister can resign in the middle of this film, and I'm, I'm, I'm finishing it. Right? He can, you, he, he or she, by the time listen to this, can wait. Yet you're not going to watch it again. No. Fair enough. It's done. <laughs> Helen. A solid three. It's quite long. For there's, they definitely could trim a little bit on it. There's quite a big gap between them, kind of starting like the dance training to when they actually dance because the pace kind of shifts when they're they're dancing because they're they kind of they're doing something together and they're really focused and they've got this energy and then there's like a football game and it's just like takes you out of like the dancing bit so I definitely would have liked a bit more dancing three but we've got dirty dancing for that it is slightly (laughs) dirty dancing accidental dirty dancing this I think we'll call it i'd have liked a bit more sport to be honest <laughs> like but again uh, this is why a series this is why a silver blinds playbook box set would have more <laughs> dancing some actual on i want to see some actual football on there like i want, I want to see i want to see you them you know you didn't just want the, the tailgate party where they didn't actually get into the football that's very sad about that i think the um yeah i've forgotten i'm gonna go for 3.6 here i i've forgotten about the sections with like the, the fights and the football for example, which um, I actually quite, quite enjoyed because it's so, it kind of showed and probably leans into what both Tat and Helen were saying about this is an angry man because they got into a fight because of 
general knobheadness that happens at sports matches with guys have been drinking. Um, so he he wasn't he wasn't a standout there. He was just someone who happened to be there and had it not been declared bipolar or come from a, a psychiatric institution, he just would have been another guy who's involved in the fight and that was it. But it was interesting that he was the focus of the rage when he got back to the house and everyone was saying, why were you doing this? Why were you doing this? Why are you doing this? But his brother was the first one to throw a punch. So that, I thought that was a bit strange. But I've forgotten about that scene. So that's why the engagement score is high because I'd, I'd generally forgotten and I was quite interested to see what was going to happen. Um, and that gives an overall score of 3.57. Five zero zero, which is which is decent. It is is decent. To everyone listening, do follow us on Twitter. We are at FlixWatcherPod. That's at FlixWatcherPod. One of the main reasons to follow us is because we put out a little tweet asking you guys to enjoy and participate in the show, uh, saying something like, "We're reviewing Silver Linings Playbook with Tatten and Diane from Easy Politics UK, aka Simple Politics." Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and the score out of five stars from On Air Shout Out on FlixWatcher. And we had uh, a few responses here. Diana Tatton, have you got the, the Twitter up? Yeah, so I've got one from Liam Dempsey who says, Bradley Cooper is excellent in this, but it's the star-making performance from Jennifer Lawrence that makes it. She goes toe-to-toe with De Niro like it ain't no thing, and the final dance sequence is absolutely electric. So he's a fan and he would give it 4.5 stars. Tatton? Well, there is someone who's given it a score as well, but I'm really interested in a cinema gulp who uh, came on to say, I completely fell in love with Jador in this movie. And I sl- you can hear him or fa- her falling in love with J-Law and the heart pumping. And then uh, the flick watched a podcast came back and said, but how many stars? <laughs> and um, nice Cinema Gulp just continued staring at the moon. Uh, <laughs> silently considering J-Law in this movie. <laughs> playing songs by My Chemical Romance to try and express their love for J-Law in this movie. Um, so they've got no idea what the scores are there, so sorry. From Pod, I don't know exactly why, but David A. Russell's movies always seem a bit clumsy to me. I don't see the fuss. Lawrence carries the film with sporadic assistance from Cooper, and then we've got two and a half dancey ladies emojis. And then he's added a bit more. This is one of those uni group projects where one person works their ass off and the rest of the group collect the grade. I think that's slightly harsh from Scheigeist uh, in terms of the uni group project. I thought it was quite cohesive. Um, but hey, that's his... That's 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 what Twitter says. Yeah. That's Don't what, argue that's on what, Twitter. Well, <laughs> people have tried and come off worse for wear. Uh, Diane Tatton, can you sign off by letting everyone know where we can find you online? And we'll say goodbye to the listeners. Uh, it's simple politics on Instagram and at Easy Politics UK on Twitter because like letters and they couldn't have had to have the good one and stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when you're on there, Diane does all the good stuff. And uh, as you can tell, she is the coherent one. So thank you very much. <laughs> you're too kind. Cheers, guys, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming out. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K-Wood.com 
audio, tell them Flixwatch has sent you. You just heard a stripped media production.